Alright, to that I'll add my own music, some good theme song for the Brothers Comics Game of Thrones prequels for the upcoming game is uh, upcoming season seven. So something like something real epic like that. But yeah, this is Grandmaster Beavis, uh, my alter ego with my Game of Thrones knowledge, and we have a new a new visitor to Westeros, a new, a new visitor. So uh, can you introduce yourself, mysterious stranger who's wandered into these lands? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, since there aren't that many brothers on this show, um, I'm going to say I'd have to be – I can't even be Cal Drago because I'm too dark. Uh, I, I guess I would be uh, the worm dude, Grey Worm or whatever. Like, that's me. No, y'all, hey, seriously, it's the producer from Brothers Cows, man. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm on the other side of the glass for one. So back when Brothers Comics was fairly fresh and we were hitting topics for the first time, one of the things we used to do was we'd have to establish credibility. And so uh, the producer is generally not our go-to for more of the fantasy-themed topics. So... Uh, but I, I want to hear his side of the story, but there's one part of it I want to share. Like, we were friends for a while, and I think we were just uh, somehow in conversation like bugbears came up. And I was like, Whoa, what do you know about bugbears? Because, you know, back in those days, like, you had to keep your Dungeons & Dragons, like, you had to keep that on the download. Like, if you just started a friendship or relationship with somebody, you'd be like, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I rolled the shit out some D20s, dog. What'd you do? That was the end. <laughs> So like, and even like if that's how it started, if somebody else brought up bugbears, you probably should like talk about football or something. So yeah, producer dropped some bugbears, and I was like, what? And then we then my classic story was the story about the girdle of giant strength or whatever it was that ended your D and D history, and I would love to hear that story. Oh wow, uh, you know, and I was thinking about telling this story. For when we've been talking about doing this podcast, um, basically, and again, if y'all are listeners to this podcast or the podcast series, y'all know that uh, my brother, Big Hutch, is a, a huge fantasy nerd, geek, blurred, and he had gotten, I mean, and y'all have to understand from where we come from, to have, like, um, black dudes, like, caring about Dungeons and Dragons and driving out all to kinds of like white areas to go buy like figures and books and all this. This is unheard material, y'all. It's just I hasn't happened or it didn't happen. Yes, we were driving to, uh, we were getting people's dads and whatever's to drive us off to parts unknown, at least for, you know, black folks and um, to get like figures and all this. But the basic story is Hutch was way into D and D. He was our dungeon master for many years. He got people who, you know, traditionally aren't um, Dungeons and Dragons people to play. And between the, like, the two other brothers, like, that played in a, a family of brothers, not, like, brothers, and myself, and we had wind up getting another dude to come in and play. And this person, and who Brother Beavis does know, <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to be kind here because he does follow us on uh, on one of our social media platforms. Um, basically, he was new to the group. And because he was new to the group, he um, he wasn't really as as we weren't as accepting to him as we probably should have been. Um, <laughs> he didn't help that. And uh, <laughs> and essentially, like there was a situation where we had been playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and there was a, a it, it was the gauntlet of something. I can't even remember now. It, was, then it would have been the gauntlets of ogre power, undoubtedly. It was yeah, it was something. And basically, we had to roll die for it. And whoever uh, got the highest roll would get it. 
and that kid wound up getting it. And again, he was new to the game. We weren't really that really didn't care for him all that much. And that ended like black folks playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> on that side of town. I love how you, you guys were like full Richard Pryor. Well, fuck it then. Just take him going. Take this going, motherfucker, and just like, yeah. no, just like if you know like those alarm clocks where you can have it like play a song to wake you up. If I could like have that that story wake me up, that I would probably. Like, that, just, yeah. that just cracks me up every time. Yeah, it's, it is. It is a classic. Uh, a tale as old as time. <laughs> um, that we uh that everybody stopped playing at that point, and then and honestly, I mean, and that's when Hutch had to start playing with white folks. I mean, to be honest, turned him out. Yep, I mean, that was pretty much it, man. Like, man, we play this shit no more. Fuck this for white folks, even though we've been doing it for like two years prior to that. But yeah, so that is the extent of my fantasy, whatever that and uh, Dragon's Lair. That's pretty yeah. much oh, that's right, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about this in our podcast series. My intro, I actually got these archaic things with pages and covers on them, the books from a friend of mine. <laughs> and there was a, there was a big, um, there was another like 10-part series out at the time, Wheel of Time, which like a lot of people quit on, but I was too stubborn. And once people started hating it, that made me like it that much more because you know, I'm a <laughs> fantasy hipster. So I uh, I started reading these and and uh, you know I had three of them so like I was going to get to the end and by that time I was kind of hooked and so when the show came out I was all in and now you you are a new watcher what what got you in I'll be honest with you I don't really know I heard I mean I listened to y'all's podcast series last season for season six because I you know I edited it and then I would listen to it even though I didn't watch the show. And um, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm really not into, like, overly into, like, you know, fantasy types of things. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't pull me in all the time, even though I've, you know, I've seen Lord of the Rings and I've seen, mm. you know, Dragon <laughs> Age. And I've seen, I've seen those movies, but it's never Baldur's Caliber. Yeah, Baldur's <laughs> I've seen all of those movies, but I just don't, you know, I just never, like, kind of took that extra step and geeked them towards it. And so it got to the point here where my new residence here, I don't have a DVR. So mm. everything, mm. which you wouldn't think would be a big deal, but it's a huge fucking deal after you've been having it for 10 years. You got and no backlog like, of stuff to watch. Yeah, exactly. And what well, becomes that, and then you have to watch everything live and that's hard too. So I'm like, well, I can't be watching live TV like a sucker. So I just started watching stuff, you know, kind of, we, as we say on the other podcast, internationally. And so I would just screen things internationally. And I was like, you know what? I'm looking for a new show to watch. It's got a bunch of seasons. I can start watching stuff. I'm going to start watching this. People tell me it's slow at the beginning or whatever, so I'm going to try to get through it. And I started watching it. And I don't know how people could say it was really slow at the beginning because the first episode <laughs> gives you so yeah. much. And you, I mean, you're hooked after that. You know, I think I heard one of the actors on the show uh, said, you know, the show is really about, you know, titties and dragons. I mean, I like both of those <laughs> yeah. things. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was hooked from there. One of the conversations Big Hutch and I had was like, how do you feel about this thing that you like suddenly becoming mainstream? And my initial reaction was like, fuck y'all, this is my shit. But <laughs> his attitude, surprisingly, was like, you know, the more people the merrier and the more the more people like this the more of it will get and i was like oh okay and i think it's interesting to me because like the the story follows the books 
um, they play up a lot more of the sexuality, and particularly the homosexuality. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's there is violence in the books. You know, obviously a visual medium is more striking. Um, I think one of the most the the starkest difference, no pun intended, is no pun. the role that the White Walkers, which really starts off the series. I mean, I've I've had people tell me like they watched the opening sequence with the White Walkers chopping people's heads off, and they're like, nope, nope, I'm good. Um, right. But it's it's funny how they like they throw that out there, and you don't hear from them. But they play such a more prominent role in the in the show than they do in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you, are you saying that season one hooked you, or are you just kind of stuck with it? No, it, you got, it got, you got hooked right off the yeah. bat. Oh no, it got me from right from the first episode. Like I was yeah. like, wow, this is really interesting. And I mean, and that's like I think I started probably in January. And and one of the parts of that other story too about not having a DVR is that you know my wife, uh, you know you you've been married a long time, you too, brother Peter. Like <laughs> you know, you start you wind up wind up watching the same stuff because you know you don't really have a lot of time to be watching stuff on your own. And but she, my wife is is anti violence of mm-hmm. any sort and kind, and so now like all right, well if I gotta watch this show, I gotta watch it in times that she's not around. So I gotta wait for her to go to sleep, get out the computer or my tablet or whatever, and then start watching. It's like I'm watching porn. I'm like you gotta go to sleep, <laughs> like jerk off. <laughs> like I'm like okay, let me watch this show because I gotta wait for you to go to sleep, which is what took me so long to watch it. Yeah. Like had she yeah. watched it, well, I would have binged it in two weeks. Yeah, I, there would have been no way because, and I, it's so funny. We just talked about this today with her. I was like, you would like it if you could get over like, yeah, the violent part of it. Like the drama is, you know, come for the titty, stay for the drama. It, it, yeah. The drama is so good for the show. You like, you you can you kind of almost over. Look, I was like, I can't wait for they put the you know the UPN version on where it's all <laughs> edited out. It's like you could watch it, you know, where they take all that stuff out. But, yeah, um, I feel like it has like all the intrigue that draws people into all the other lightweight sci-fi stuff. But it's—I mm-hmm. mean—I think it really is unique, um, you know, different from a lot of other fantasy. And, and what's what's amazing to me, and I think we're going to talk about season one tonight. I think they, other than that opening sequence with the White Walkers, they hold off a lot of the magic stuff and really the outlandish stuff until later in the series. Right. And I don't know, but I suspect that's that's part of what got people to buy in. Um, mm-hmm. The other point I was going to say is, like, as far as when stuff goes mainstream, like, I think in Game of Thrones' case, it's it's a it's a property where the the, the TV version of it, as compared to the books, is just as good. Really pays homage and adds things that the books can't, and and makes it better. And I think that's that's one thing where a lot of times when something goes mainstream, a lot of the hardcore fans lose it because it changes in some way. So, but I think a lot of the changes here you know, were to advantage. And I was thinking about an example for you, like um, the Archie series is a complete change from Archie, but in a way it's its own thing. And I think there are ways for things to like become more popular, whether they are or are not, you know, really related to the source material. A lot Mm -hmm. of times is they're just done well and it's a good story. It's good, you know. Right. Yeah. So. That, when I kind of look at, I think, uh, you know, and even though I don't watch that, too, and again, it might be something that, you know, six years from now, I'll be like, man, why didn't y'all tell me about The Walking Dead? Uh, <laughs> like, I think that's a, I think that's a yeah. part of it, too, where I think people, you know, you you got your hardcore people in there, but it's become such a popular show based off of people that could give a damn about a comic book. And, you know, and I, and, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Hutch, too. It's like, yeah, you know, if we get this, even if we don't get more Game of Thrones or we don't get more Walking Dead, 
it opens up the door for other stuff in sci-fi and fantasy, and that's always a good thing. And I know yeah. people, you know, hardcore nerds or whatever shit on it sometimes, but it's always a good thing when there's more exposure. So, yeah. So we we uh, obviously we can't we're probably not going to go blow by blow on ten hours of uh, of TV and we're going to try and do at least some discussion on the previous six seasons in the next week or so before the new season comes out. But for season one, we're going to try and hit some of the high points and maybe catch us up on the houses. And then uh, we you know as we've done in the past, we want to figure out who won season one. So we'll we'll okay. see if we if we uh, have a tie vote or if we if we agree or whatever. But you mentioned it sort of up front, like a lot of the a lot of the the first episode at least is introducing the Starks and the Lannisters and the Baratheon family and all that. But by far the most significant part of season one and, and probably the thing that says, Hey, this show is not like anything you've ever seen before, uh, is when uh the Lannisters get caught doing it doggy upstairs and brand little kid gets chucked out the window to his apparent yeah. death. And if you hadn't, by that point, realized you were watching something different, that should have been your clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, this came up today with the with the the, the misses. She's like, "That's the one scene that I saw that you were watching," and I was like, "You know, uh, I can't use the language that she would use, that she used that she wasn't going to watch this show." I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it was like <laughs> getting caught like in a lie, which is bad. But, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, I can't say yeah. anything. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I got my, I got a lot of things to say about some Stark people here coming up. But, yeah, I mean, that was, it's the, it's, the, it's literally the pivotal moment of, of season one, really, except for the last, almost the last yep. season of, of episode yep. of the last episode, I mean, just, it's the it's the image that you can't get out of your head. Uh, my thought process was, I, I didn't even put I didn't even put together that the kids, you know, Joffy and the other ones were like, you know, Jamie's kids until like much later on. I didn't think that. I just thought, oh, they just fucking freaks. I didn't think that you know. I didn't think it was like you know, kind of long standing incestual situation like that. But yeah, right. it's it, it's great. I mean, yeah. it's, it's terrible, but great. Season one is bookended by, you know, by two scenes that you probably weren't expecting, no matter what form of stuff you've been seeing before then. So let's start with the Lannisters, uh, just because, you know, the, it, for, you know, this season we're really learning about them. Uh, as far as we know at this point, there's uh, four of them, and we have not yet met Tywin at this point. But we have Jamie, Cersei, and Tyrion, uh, we're introduced to all those. Um, you know, this this season, I think, of all for Jamie is, you know, not really his season. It, he doesn't wear it well. Uh, he's basically like, uh, you know, he's the king's guard at this point. He has, uh, you know, the the thing he gets constantly beat down is this Kingslayer. They really haven't heard too much of that story yet. He's obviously Cersei's bitch. Um, and him and Ned Stark do not get along. Yeah. Um, and, uh you know, so we'll just kind of fast forward to his big moment of the season. The problem comes in for him where, you know, he gets captured, right? That mm-hmm. happens in season one, right? That is season one. Uh huh. Yeah. Is that right? He oh yeah, is. but that's that's the tail end of season one. Yeah. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden now we have this guy who's the 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 principal martial martial artist, the swordsman of the family, gets captured at the tail end of the season after a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, Cersei. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, spinning it forward, you know, he's almost a redeemable character later in the season. But in season yeah. one, he's an absolute dick. 
Like, I mean, yeah. he is a jerk, and you're waiting, and you know, and, and watching it as somebody who hears about it, but not whatever, you're like, man, I hope that nigga get his head cut off. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it didn't happen. As far as people who won the season, <laughs> you know, he got yeah. he got busted for incest. He tried to kill a, chi- a kid. Yeah. He got uh, he was his sister's <laughs> bitch. Yeah. He got caught by somebody who'd never led an army before. Yes, I I don't think Jamie won. I'm just no, I don't either. He's not. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Uh, I, like I said, much more redeemable later on. Yeah, uh, to somebody I can actually almost cheer for now, almost. Okay. Another, yeah. and so the the next major Lannister, Cersei, in in becomes so prominent later on, but really kind of lays low, and and but you start to see sort of the the beginnings of her manipulations, uh, you know, and and one of her most pivotal scenes involves her convincing Robert to uh, to discipline the kids after Joffrey gets punked. Uh, yeah. Middle of the season, but Cersei is you know starts to sort of. You, know, you get a feel for what she's doing, uh, and, and you get a feel that she's not necessarily the nicest person. Yeah, she also drops the uh, the name of the TV show, which is always a great drop. You know, <laughs> nice. She drops the when you play the Game of Thrones. You know, she gets to drop that in there. Uh, you know, I kind of always wait for that in movies and TV. I was like, who's going to drop the name of the movie or show here? And so the she name does get drop. Yes. Um, I, again, you're trying to focus just on season one. She is really kind of under the radar for the first few episodes, but you also, you see it too. Like, I mean, like once Bran goes flying out the window or whatever, like you kind of yeah. see like that turn. It's like, oh, okay. Like, I, I see it. And the and the relationship with her and the king or whatever, you you, yeah. you can really see that she don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I think this plays out in season one. There's, they do play out like, you know, she... And if it's not, it's in the book. She, and there was a time when she actually loved Robert, and she wanted to be a queen. And he made the uh, he made the mistake of, of calling out his booze name while they were doing it. Yeah, and uh, that pretty much was the end of his fat ass. I don't know how fat he was at the time, but uh, yeah, that, that sort of set him on the path. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. Now I think the most the most uh, interesting Lannister we get thus far, and, and just like continues to, and I don't know if he won his Emmy this year or for season two, but Tyrion is this enigma mm-hmm. that uh, you know basically steals every single scene he's in, and yeah. and sets up other characters. Just you know, all the most interesting scenes are people that people that have scenes with Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, it, the, his introduction as the imp um, from the from the jump there, you know, once they get to the north, uh, it's like wow, okay. I mean, this isn't he? The hell he's like it. banging hoes and drinking from a bottle. When yes, he is. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> it doesn't take right. long. Yes, he's and he's. I mean, the dude is a ridiculous actor. I mean, he's so incredible. He's again, he's the person that I'm cheering for the most as I watch through this whole show because I don't know. That's just who I, you know. Uh, I can just kind of, I don't know if I can relate to him, but I just kind of like that character more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he he's not afraid to show all of his faults, and that's a good thing, especially with yeah. everybody who has massive faults that are all around him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's, I mean, and again, spinning it forward, I mean, holy crap, what a character arc for a character on a television show. I mean, it's, it's incredible. But, um, yeah, in, in season one, you know, he goes through a lot of stuff, too. You know, he, yeah, he, he comes in whoring, 
And then, you know, he gets framed for, you know, trying to kill Bran and gets captured or whatever by Caitlyn. I mean, like, his story arc is ridiculous, too, you know, like where he goes from where he was and he winds up with, you know, the breastfeeding uh, Caitlyn's sister, (laughs) which is sort of, I think I texted her as soon as I thought, I was what the fuck is going on here? and you know, and then the 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 you know the trial by combat out there, you know, yeah. at the at the moon drop or whatever. It's just like, man, this is a really incredible like kind of just run for him, just through that point through season one. I mean, jeez, yeah, I think great. his capture really sets up the whole thing because that sort of draws the Starks into conflict. That lets mm-hmm. you know that sets the tie the Lannisters in into conflict. But one of the one of the things that that Tyrion also does is he really gets us to he he really is instrumental in getting uh john snow engaged mm-hmm. in the wall and helping us understand john snow who mm-hmm. you know is obviously is it becomes the star of the show but in the season one he goes from this he's this real interesting dichotomy where he goes from being the bottom bitch of the starks mm-hmm. because he's a bastard and mm-hmm. you know once the starks head out he heads to the wall and he thinks he's going off with his uncle and it's going to be this noble thing. And Tyrion's like, Oh, didn't you hear? Uh, it's all like criminals up there. And when he arrives, here he is now he's castle trained. He's got skill at arms and all these things. And he, all he sees around him are like rapists. And he didn't have time for any of these people. And he wants everything he's due. And he has to go through this process that Tyrion sits him upon where, you know, he comes to understand that like, no, this isn't what, this isn't what I thought. I'm not who I was, and really puts him on an arc uh, that plays out through the entire show. And so I think you know that that in it, those initial scenes where I think one of the one of the things about Tyrion is he, for all that like people hate him, like he has problems with himself, but he you know he like helps he almost like brings people in to to look at themselves, right. and then sort of shares in that misery. And he certainly does that with you know, the bastard Jon Snow and the dwarf Tyrion, and you see that play out over and over with all the relationships he makes throughout the show. And in a messed up kind of way, he's the moral compass of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in a messed up kind of way, because he's truly a messed up individual. But, I mean, he really is kind of the, the catalyst to helping people do things a little bit differently or see them differently and trying to help people that are in messed up situations. You know, I mean, just off the top of my head, Jon Snow, Sansa, mm-hmm. Arya, um, Khaleesi. I mean, he's just, yep. I mean, he, yep. you know, he generally is trying to help people. I mean, again, he's got he's got a selfish a streak inside to him because he's looking out for himself, but he's also putting people on different paths that, again, is probably morally better than the one that they were on ahead of it. So, right. yeah, so we got, far my we got the team. bottom bitch of the Starks. Uh, but that's not to give too much credit to Rickon, who is useless yeah. throughout the entire yeah. show and probably yeah. don't need to talk about again. No. Uh, Bran, you know, Bran's, you know, his he has this big incident, and then he sets on a path that really doesn't pan out till much later. But he finds yeah. himself left as the the head of the Starks after everybody everybody bails, including his mom. Right, and that's all. Also, too, and and you can help me out with this because again, I'm watching this show. Everybody's asleep. It's nine thirty on a you know a seven inch tablet. At oftentimes, the stuff with the three eyed raven and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I know it pays mm-hmm. off later on, but damn, like I'm like yeah. <laughs> that's basically where I'm at. Like with that, when I'm watching it, I'm like, Aroo? yeah, all right. You know, it's really and, and 
Yeah, I mean, we can talk start children here in a second, but go ahead and finish that thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got, he's you know, at this point, all he's seeing is these visions and, and you know, what is the three-eyed raven? You know, we, we'll find out later. It's like, you know, this manifestation of uh, these ancient spirits. But, you know, this is this is where they, they really tease the magic stuff more than, than anything else in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's basically like, don't worry that you can't walk anymore. There's more for you. You know, it's, you know, it's a sort of like, you know, the just sort of like compensating for what he's lost and, and helping him figure out that maybe there's more than just riding horses or fighting with swords and things like that mm-hmm. and sets him on a path where he's got to find his purpose. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I'm just, I mean, overall, I'm just not a fan of any of the Stark children mm-hmm. under the age of, Fifteen, <laughs> fifteen so and under. So that what? So you like Rob? Is what I'm hearing. Basically, and the yeah. bastard. Yeah, yeah. Rob is Rob's interesting in the TV show because a lot of what he does in the book is off screen. Like people talk about what he does, but he's mm-hmm. not like a first person subject. He, like you hear about what he's off doing, but you don't see as much of him. And he's okay. you know he's much more of a, you know he's like a reflection of his dad, and he's the one that picks up arms and. You know, he's the one that becomes this general in the field and, and rallies the North. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, his he doesn't really come into play until once things get going, once the war starts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Once his dad gets gets uh, absconded by, uh, you know, once you know, once his dad starts to get in trouble, then he starts to right. rally the troops. But largely yeah. because he has a big ass wolf that bites people yeah. if they don't agree with yeah. him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a note about the, the wolves as well, but yeah, oh, I, just, yeah. I, I, I mean, that, y'all get my text. I'm just like, oh, Arya Stark, I can't take it. <laughs> and Sansa, Sansa's, I mean, a little bit more redeemable, but not much. Um, really, I feel like I, she's I, the villain of Game of Thrones because uh, there you go, sir. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they're the they're the quintessential like you know you have the one tomboy and the one that just wants to do like needlepoint and stuff like that. Always each other throats. The ones that get taken to the capital city so they can become the princesses. And um, you know, Arya is our is our is our opportunity though to find out who the biggest bitch in the show is, mm. and and that's Joffrey. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah. her her shining moment of of season one is she's she's working with the butcher boy to practice her sort of sword skill. She's already a greater swordsman than Bran, but uh, Joffrey wants to show how awesome he is because he's got his new betrothed girl Sansa, and she yeah. whips his ass, and then the yeah. dog whips his ass, and then he goes <laughs> back to his mom, and yeah, it's yeah 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 uh, yeah. Uh, but all that said. And I hate all those people, too. I, I can't fuck with her. Um, I just can't. I cannot mess with Arya. I, I, every season I'm watching this, I'm like, when is she going to get it? After yeah. everybody else done got it. Like, so why has nobody killed this girl yet? Uh, yeah. So that's just me. Uh, Santa's pretty much is that's not all the same. I'm not going to say that I was, you know, rooting for her to be getting beat up and raped and shit. But I wasn't really against it either. So, <laughs> wow. Right. That's basically all I'm saying. So, so we won't we won't dwell on the Stark daughters. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And I think uh, you know Ned Stark is. is we'll defer that till closer to the end. What are your feelings on Caitlin? Standard mom um, protects her kids. Yeah, but yes and no. You know she 
Yeah, I mean, she's doing what she's supposed to do, but she also pulled herself into some situations that made it a lot worse for the whole family. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's how I saw it. I mean, she took something that happened, and yes, like she's worried about Brandy. She shouldn't have got pushed out of the window. What was the whatever it was attached to it? Like, I get that. But she also, like, kind of made a mountain out of a molehill, too, with uh, with, with that situation. I, I don't know. Like, I just I didn't. And, you know, again, spinning it forward or whatever, like, you know, she, uh, she did she kind of start she, a war by taking Tyrion captive. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And then and makes she, it worse. And she definitely After, backed the wrong horse by going to her sister. Yes. Oh, God. Well, she should have known better. Fifteen-year-old sucking on Teddy. She should have <laughs> known better from there. <laughs> and... But then, too, like, even, I mean, again, I'm spinning it forward or whatever. It's like, and even once, once Jamie gets captured, too, it's just like, what mm-hmm. are you doing? Oh, yeah. 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 What are you doing? Yeah. And then she's making these decisions, and I'm not taking it in this as a, in a, you know, in a misogynistic type of way or whatever. She's making these decisions short of not saying these things to her husband and pushing the situation even further. When he, she knows he would have been like, yo, chill out. Robert's got, I got Robert's back. Mm-hmm. Robert ain't gonna let this stuff happen too much. I mean, he's worried about other stuff. Like, and it it, it could have been squashed, and she didn't let it get squashed, and it wind up, yeah. you know, costing everybody, literally she, everybody. She does play the mother's grief card a lot, and usually yeah. not to good effect. No, yeah, I I, I was I, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of the character. Uh, yeah. I don't think there was any redeemable moments with her. To be frank, um, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't really care for her, and I didn't I didn't mind it when she met her demise. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert! For those yeah. who are uh, rapidly uh, binging to catch up before season seven. That's right. All right, so we can't talk about Caitlyn. That crosses over into Littlefinger and Varys mm-hmm. and all the sort of sub characters and all the intrigue once they get the yeah. things landing. Just this yeah. web of bullcrap going on. Uh, you know, this is where like the most intricate aspects of the storyline start to pan out, and who knows who's on what side. And really, the grayness of all the characters, the fact that there's basically one or two good guys, if that, in the story, <laughs> and everybody else is sort of on their own. Yeah. Um, little, little Finger? Uh, wait, make sure I got the right person. Um, that's the fat dude, right? Is that Varys? Nope, that's or is Varys. that Peter Baelish? Or Peter, Peter Baelish, Baelish is Little Finger. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I like or him. May, or Mayor Carcetti, whichever you yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like him. Um, even though I probably shouldn't. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I, I deal with him. He's the ultimate, to use a wrestling term, cool heel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he walks that line very closely. Um, what he did to Ned Stark is messed up, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. And um, uh, But beyond that, like his love for Caitlyn, and then after Caitlyn meets her or whatever, his manipulation of her daughter or whatever for his own, desires is a little bit creepy too yeah. but since i don't like sansa is this kind of like what? <laughs> you know and like i just kind of like the character you know but you definitely don't know what side he's on during season one like you have no yeah. idea like his where his self-interest lies other than his whorehouses yeah and Varys thoughts um i like Varys a lot I, I like him too. Um, you know, the sending out the birds or if, whatever. If, if, if he's if if Carcetti is the uh, the cool heel, then like Varys is like the JJ Dillon. Uh, you know, he's the he's the, the yeah. genius manager of the uh, of the whole <laughs> generation. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, he is, and, you know, he's sending out his little birds or whatever. You know, when you're watching the show in season one and, you know, you're not familiar with the terminology or whatever, not that I thought he was literally sending out birds or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, you you don't, you, you know, you're not kind of, you know, for me, I was like, what what does that mean? Like, I, I didn't understand that. And then the fact that you, he has birds all over the realm. Like, then mm-hmm. it starts to play out later on when you kind of, if you look at it from top to bottom, like, oh. And then when, you know, then for people like me who, you know, sometimes will miss some nuances, I need the Scooby-Doo ending, too. <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. And so then I can, t- and then I'll go back and think about it. But, yeah, I'm cool with Varys, and I, I like yeah. his ultimate, his story arc about being a eunuch, how it runs its yeah. course uh, with, I think it was with Tyrion. Uh, yeah. was it with Tyrion that he, te- you know, see, how he's you're got going to do spoiler alert. You're going, I know, you like man, season I four. Do- Again, as y'all told me, like, how are you going to be talking about something that's been on for seven years and not spoiler alert? <laughs> so if you're listening to this, you're just recapping. You're getting, you know, you're, you're getting your, your feet wet again without having to go back and watch those ten hours. So there, there are other contemporary who may be one of the few bad guys in the show. Uh, um, Grandmaster Pycelle. I don't think yeah. he has any redeeming qualities. He no. does get a good scene where he, like he's knocking them hoes, and then he gets <laughs> up and has to put his old decrepit self back together. That yeah. was funny. There, there was nothing like that in the books. That was a funny ass scene. I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we hit the Starks. We hit the Lannisters. We mentioned Joffrey. So let's cross over to the Baratheons. At this point, Tommen and Marcella, and really. For most of the show, neither of them bear any discussion. Yeah, they're Robert. useless. Robert, big fat dude, likes to eat, <laughs> likes the whore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably one of for all the like for all the great acting performances. Uh, all this guy is like the classic over the top, chew scenery. Probably yeah. didn't take any direction unless it was like more, more, more. You know, yeah. his. His performance, although I think it's purposeful and it's perfect for the character, sort of stands out in that it's so over the top relative to everybody else. Right. What were your thoughts on Robert? Um, the the fat whoring king. Uh, yeah. You know, he he basically played that role perfectly. Um, you know, and even though I'm watching it early on, I was like, this dude ain't gonna make it long. Whether it be somebody <laughs> kill him or diabetes yep. or uh, a heart attack, I mean, he's <laughs> not gonna be with us for long. Um. You know, uh, you know, an underlying part of that for season one for him to me was his, um, well, a couple of them. One, his love for Ned's do- uh, Ned's mm-hmm. sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That which is like an underlying thing that kind of gets lost a little bit, but it also explains his relationship with Ned and his how he kind of hates on seriously a little bit, even though he married mm-hmm. him. Two, um, his um, his wanting to kill Khaleesi. Uh, mm-hmm. When he finds out about that, which we'll get to when we get to 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 the uh, Targaryen, but three, um, oh shoot, I almost I lost it. Um, oh shoot, I lost it. Dang it, I'm sorry. But the, those two things I know are like kind of stick out for him for me. Oh, when he's like, you know, and I, I'm jumping on this here too. Like the whole season really starts on the 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 death of the of the hand of the king, yep. John, and him getting yeah, and then him getting out to get to Ned or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then the hands, like what the hand was doing, you know, uh, on the side or whatever. And then season one is where they go out and they they kill all like these babies, right? 
Is that season I one? think that that's actually once Joffrey becomes king. But, yeah, that's okay. the, the crux of the show where we find out is Ned starts to investigate these allegations that maybe all these kids aren't his. And what he finds is Robert's been rolling the countryside and leaving dark-haired babies everywhere again. <laughs> and yet he's got these three blonde-haired kind of dumb kids in his uh, yeah. in his family. Yeah, Robert's a... I mean, he's, you know, the, he's the classic, like, you know, he, he loved to conquer and he hated to rule. Like, he yeah. loved becoming king, but he never wanted it. And you see when Ned gets there, he's in disbelief at, like, how bad the city is being run, how bad the kingdom is being run. And, yeah. you know, and, and Robert's, like, so guilty in a way for, like, how he treats Cersei that he gives her own way. And he's really just a tragic, sad character that's hoping that, it's like, having his boy around is going to make everything better. Uh, yeah. And then he goes hunting, and yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, yep. and that was and like then, yeah, a horror a horror movie gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, and uh, it, and the fact that they did it off screen was kind of weird too. Mm-hmm. Um, that we didn't even see it, and then because I was like, well, maybe they're setting that up. They're like, oh, you know, you know, it was the you know the butler with the the freaking candlestick or whatever. You know, it was like some kind of mystery there, but it really wasn't. He's just freaking drunk and and hunting. That never yep. works out great. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, oops. <laughs> I mean, you know, and his his death his death scene was kind of anticlimactic, actually. You know, it was like, yeah, bring my boy, oh, Jeffy. You know, it wasn't like a, a dramatic <laughs> thing, but I think that was purposeful too. It was like because yeah. I mean, we, I, you know, whoever was writing this was like, he's not going to be with us for long, and we don't really need to spend a lot of emotional weight on it. That's yeah. kind of how I saw it. So. Yeah. But you brought it up, there's a, you know, the pivotal scene and the scene that connects us over to the story that up to this point we're like, what, what the, what's going on over here? What are these people doing? Is this assassination attempt? And so we find out that the, the Robert is king because they've all overthrown the Targaryens and there's two Targaryen children that, that got free, uh, uh, Daenerys and I think Jaehaerys is his name? Yes. is his name. Um, and so they've thrown in with the Dothraki, and they're trying to get an army together to go back. And, and so this is never a part of the books that I enjoyed, and there's only parts of the show with her that I enjoyed. Uh, mm. Now, Cal Drogo, I think, was pretty awesome, but mm. he doesn't win season one. Let's just No, say. he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> he goes out like a bitch, actually. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> he, I think, died uh, from a, he died from a flesh wound, man. Infection, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, and then like, and then he got tricked by a witch, and he died. Yeah, you know, but still, yeah, go ahead. I I think Khaleesi does. I mean, she goes through a pretty compelling arc because she's like completely manipulated by her brother. She, you know, she learns how to fuck, so she gets the she, she gets Caldrogo <laughs> under under check, and then you know she was by the time she loves him, he's dying, and she's willing to sort of do anything, and and uh, you know we have her. You know, climactic scene, which is which is like I, th- I have to feel like most of the viewing audience was like, "What the fuck, dragons? What am I watching?" I thought it was, yeah, it's where they like they trick you and they're like, "Oh, yeah. don't remember them zombies at the beginning? Well, here's dragons, bitch." Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think season one, uh, you know, I think the Cal Drogo piece of it was cool. I think you know the fact that the you know the assassination attempt fails. That's what, ironically, that's what triggers him to give a shit about the five kingdoms and sets him on his path. I think the most, the most interesting thing in that was the end of Viserys, uh, which was mm-hmm. just a, a great scene. And, you know, I think a, a lot of times game of Thrones does do a good job of, of taking out 
the most uh, offensive characters in a really satisfying way, and no, yeah. none none more so than this one. Right. You have any thoughts <laughs> on the on the Targaryens and the Drogos before we talk about Viserys' crown of gold? Uh, uh, I mean, and I, again, y'all get my text when I was watching this or whatever. I, I don't like the fact that, you know, the only people of color in mm-hmm. season one, essentially, are savages um, mm-hmm. with the Darakti or whatever they're called. I didn't like care for that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man, really? You know, I mean, and again, <clears throat> there's really no redeemable characters in this whole thing overall. Don't get me wrong. But, like, you know, they kind of threw it in with, with like, kind of the savages, and I, I didn't really care yep. for that. Um, yeah, you have, the, you have the brown savages, you have the black sailor, or the black pirates, mm-hmm. and then you have the, uh, the sort of Middle Eastern-esque uh, sort of poisoners, or I don't know how you, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah this, this show is not necessarily um, diversity-centric or friendly. No, it, I mean it is what it is. It's not like a, like, hey, watching this shit because Darth Rocky savages. It's like, man, y'all didn't have to do that. That's basically yeah. what it is. Um, yeah, I talked about Kyle dying. I didn't really care for that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, let me Targaryens or whatever. They have a little lightweight incestuous with type like introduction too. Um, mm-hmm. You know where she's getting him ready to marry Kyle or getting her ready to marry Kyle. You know, I think a lot of people that I talk to about this show, at least at work or whatever, um, you know, a lot of them are like got hooked on the show because of what is it, Amelia Clark or whatever playing Khaleesi. Yep. I mean, because she, I mean, she puts it all out there, like right there in the first uh, first episode, really. Yep. You know, and you know, and you and it, and then bookends it on the, in the last episode as well. You know, I, I mean, I think she's a fine enough actress for this. She gets better as it goes on at the beginning. Yeah. It's really just a pair of tits. And, but as she gets more, um, like, co- complexity to her character, I, you know, whatever. I, I mean, personally, spinning it forward again, like, um, you know, later on, I'm kind of, you know, kind of hoping a dragon eats her. But, um, like, in season one, like, I always, I, you know, it's hard to not cheer for her yeah. based on her brother. <laughs> there's only there's only a couple characters in the show that are really like make decisions that are idealistic, yeah. that you know, do things because they feel like they're fundamentally right no matter what the cost, mm-hmm. and she's one of them. Um, and and not as much in the first season where she's really sort of coming to her own, but I mean she, you know she, for as many deaths that you could lay at her feet, I mean she is you know probably uh, one of the good guys. Yes. I, no, I agree. I just, I, there's so many times that when I'm watching her, she seems like she's so strong in certain situations. Yeah. But then there's also, it's just like, I, I know what you're doing, but if you're trying to be the game, the queen of the, uh, the queen, like, I don't know why you're making this type of decision to, you know, you got to rule a little bit with an iron fist and, you know, Tyrion helps with that later. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, yeah, it, it, sometimes her decision-making is, is suspect based on her, probably because her heart is too big. But, yeah. yeah. So connected to her, I think, is one of probably the, maybe the second best performance on the show is Jorah Mormont. And this, we mm-hmm. have this knight who is, you know, cast out of the, the realm and, you know, is hooked up with these Dothraki. He's sort of her vision, her window into this world. That guy's awesome. I mean, he's yeah. an okay character in the books, but that guy on the show is ridiculous. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a great character. And again, uh, sending out a bird uh, about that. 
And mm-hmm. uh, you never, I did not see that coming anywhere. I, it, that blew me away when it actually happened. Uh, I was like, dang, word. But, yeah, he's a great character. He's got great fight scenes. His his um, undercurrent of love for her is, like, a good, like, and her, like, kind of de- deference to him, I don't know if it's like a father figure or whatever, too, is, is you know, kind of on par for the rest of the, you know, the kind of, like, weird type of relationships that people have on this show. Um, so, yeah, like, he's, he's a great actor, and he plays all his scenes out. I mean, even even through like all the way through, right? You know, through now, he's such a great character. So yeah, I yeah. like him too. So we mentioned the title, Viserys, Crown of Gold, one mm-hmm. of the best death scenes in the sh- in the show, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Des- Viserys goes through an arc where, as as Khaleesi rises in power, he sort of falls. He manages to systematically piss everybody off. When he's finally had enough, he demands the the gold he was promised. And he gets it, but probably not the way he was expecting it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Aquaman takes him out uh, in, in, in pretty hardcore terms. I, that's a you know that was like I said one of the, that's a, a fitting end to a terrible character. Yeah, he he's a terrible character, and he catches it awesomely. Um, and again, you know, as he was really just more whiny than anything else. You know what I mean? Like it was just like man, like. You could never be king, like and I, I and again knowing what y'all know and what I knew before going in, I was like, this dude ain't gonna make it very long either. Um, I think we we <laughs> said on the last Brothers Comics podcast, you got to check your white privilege when you leave the country. You <laughs> forgot to check his white privilege yeah, he when he went across. Did. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about you, Dolph Racky. <laughs> what? Yeah, it just didn't go well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, 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 kind of on this show on a little side topic here. It's funny watching the show in bunches, like I have watched it, in the sense that, like, okay, it was ten episodes or whatever, but except for certain people, primarily uh, Tyrion, some of these people you don't see for like many episodes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, and it's just, and it's weird. Like, you know what? Like a a, a regular network show would not put a show on and not have like, man, I'd like, I really haven't seen Khaleesi in three or four episodes out of 10. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like weird that that could happen on a show like that, especially like in the early parts of it, you know, before they start pairing people off, it, it really is like, we, I was like, you know, cause some of the storylines are much more interesting than others. And so you're just like, man, where's Khaleesi at? Like, she's not right. in this episode or whatever. Oh, where's, you know, whoever? It's like, oh, they're not in this episode either. So it's just, to me, it's, it's just something I, I, I had jotted down on a note here. I was like, that it's just weird sometimes that you see these, to see the characters so infrequently. And then you top off to show that, you know, for the, after the first few seasons, then it was coming on like every, you know, 18 months as opposed to every, you know, year. And, right. you know, you, that's how you see Bran. I mean, is. <laughs> Thank God he can't walk because he'd be posting up Hodor for 12 <laughs> rebounds a game, man. Because, I mean, he's huge now. The other oh, side of yeah. that, too, is the characters who, like, you know, you see they're in like a, they're like an extra on the set. And then three years later, they come back in the story. There's, you know, there's right. a guy from, they become the Brotherhood Without Borders. But, you know, he's a bit character. He's one of the hedge knights in the beginning of the show. And they send him off. I didn't even remember his name off the top of my head, but the dude with one eye that comes up with the flaming sword later in the show. It's like, yeah. oh, that guy, where was he? 
Yeah, yeah. We there's you know we there's a lot of other characters that sort of like Theon, who we haven't talked about, is sort of mm-hmm. like uh, Rob's bitch throughout most of the season. It's not really <laughs> his, his season. Uh, the Mountain is this just giant dude, force of nature yeah. that sort of drives the narrative but doesn't do a whole lot. The yeah. Hound is you know another background character who just like that, that's another guy who you know, is really, really great performance, great character. And like every bit of you, every bit of him you get in the show, Mm -hmm. even if it's between episodes or, you know, three or four episodes apart is always good. Yeah. So let's get to, let's get to Ned Stark. Okay. Now, I I mean, the Hutch isn't on this call. Um, I talked about this with, I think when I was up in, in ATL, um, like maybe spring break or whatever. And I had been watching the show. I wasn't done with it or whatever. And uh, him and female perspective were like, yeah, yo, your brother was uh, devastated. And in season <laughs> four, like almost to the point of tears. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing that I think, you know, that's where it's clear you're you're reading or watching something that's different. Because you have this sort of, you know, by the book character who is very clearly the main protagonist and he goes out like a kind of like a bitch yeah. at the end of the show. Uh yeah. and at that point, you know, that's really the signal that we get that hey like, you know, ideals are not going to be to your benefit. And the character right. who was most idealistic, he went out like a bitch. And yeah. that's that yeah, that 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 was like I had the three books. Like, I can't say, like, if I had read that or, you know, I was going to read the other two regardless. I don't know if I would ever, like, entertain Quentin. But that's definitely the point, I think, where you realize, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah. And the fact that he... You know, how to put this? Like, the fact that he... They set it up to the point where, like, you know what? It's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's going to do what he... He's supposed to do to save his family, and you know, at some point in time, he'll come. You know, as you if you're watching a regular TV show, they would never take the dude that's at the first head part of the credits and like get rid of him. And yeah. in a way of the way that they did get rid of him too. I mean, right? And then in a taunting way, you know, later on too, that you know, they stick his head like on a fork yeah. later, you know, for everybody to see. I mean, it was amazing. I. I didn't see it coming. I, I I didn't. I mean, I wasn't as upset as Hutch was, but I was like, I didn't <laughs> see that coming at all. <laughs> and you can imagine if, like, if they had followed the story that had laid down, that he went to the, you know, he went to the wall, he declared himself a traitor and went to the wall, yeah. then, you know, he would have been a great leader on the wall, and they would have been in a better position to face the true enemy to the north. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, that you can imagine, like, a traditional story going that route. Yeah. But, yeah. Joffrey. Yeah, a, a redemption who, story. You know, he goes yeah. to the wall, he makes his comeback or whatever, but now it's going to get played out through his bastard. So, yep. And oh, here we figure yeah. out, like, Joffrey, biggest bitch in the West, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just got elevated and started hacking people's heads off. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It, and he's a great, and the kid's a great actor. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nobody that could play that role. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, you know, uh, let's, uh, the dude from Slytherin House. Yeah. I was like, oh, Malfoy. he's playing this role now? Yeah, exactly. Does Drago Malfoy's playing this role now? I mean, they're, they're similar in look, but also in character. You know, it was like, you know, kind of weaselly and kind of evil, but like, you know, just kind of a slime ball. And he plays it so well. 
You know, and I think and he had not acted before, and I think he quit after he was off the show. He was okay, like, wow. he was like, you know, it's it's cool and all. I'm glad people like it, but I want to do more with my life. Okay, and, I mean, and, and that's also, and that's also too to play a character who people hate. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that can change your life as an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard people talk about that. It's like, I, you know, I played this person that people hated all the time. I can't go outside, and, you know, people are spitting on the sidewalk at me. You know what I mean? Like, it's really difficult. And I can't imagine being, what was that kid, probably 17 years old at his oldest, you know, yeah. like, of doing that. And, you know, like, you know what? I don't really want to be known as this dude for the rest of my life. Uh, so I could, I could definitely see somebody walking away from that. But he played that one great. And I'll be honest with you, I never thought for a second that that was going to happen. <laughs> Not at yeah. all. I was like, wow, wait, what? So, yeah. Uh, it's it, 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 chopped it, off with his own sword in front of his daughters. Yeah. And that's and, not, that's not a storyline. Yeah. Not a, that damn Disney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's such a great show. It's such a great season. I just, um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how people could watch it and be like, Man, that show sucks. But I also can see people watching it being like, you know what? I can't watch this show no more because they just killed off the person I cared about most for the last 10 mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. So. so Ned goes on this arc where he's, you know, he's king. He's basically the ruler of the North. Most of the people that are up there love him. But he goes to King's Landing because of, a, you know, his feelings for his friend who was, who was engaged to his sister finds out the country's in ruin, sets it on a path, tries to instore like integrity and justice and finds out that there's, you know, all the heirs are illegitimate, wants to make the rightful ruler king, does everything right. And then Littlefinger, like this is like, like you said, the one thing like you couldn't tell. But, you know, on the one hand, Littlefinger was like, dude, you're not going to make it. He's like, I would, I would love it if you were strong enough and we could do this. But there's no fucking way. Like, Littlefinger had already seen the first six seasons. Ned Stark had just started watching this. Uh, so it's like, yeah, that was terrible, but Littlefinger kind of knew, like, yeah, I, I I live here. I know how this yeah. works. You, yeah. You're you fucked anyway, so I ain't yeah, going Yeah, and, 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 and in the sense, you're like, I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. You know, we could do this now or, or yeah. get it over right. quick. <laughs> we could do it later. <laughs> Yeah, we're making it more painful for you. Yeah, I uh, I, uh, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I I just you know it, he has such a good arc and too. Like I said, bringing all the bastard children up to the to to like into the forefront or whatever, and attempting to do the right thing. Like, and that mm-hmm. that was that was like you why you don't see his death coming like at all yeah. because you don't you, regular shows would not kill off the main character. Yeah. He's the first name on the credits, and yeah. they wouldn't do that. It just wouldn't do it. It's just not a regular thing that happened on a TV show. And, I mean, I wish I had been around to go back and read some of the, you know, Entertainment Weeklies or whatever after that had happened because I can't, yeah. I can't imagine that people weren't just freaking blown away and shocked and, you know, of the think pieces that came out of it because I'm sure there were an abundance of, you know, two and 3,000 words to talk about how they felt about this. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of funny incredible. to me when he was cast because he plays Boromir in Lord of the Rings who dies and mm-hmm. sort of sets the fellowship on their path. And so when he got mm-hmm. cast, I'm like, Oh, okay. So he, apparently he's the guy that, uh, <laughs> off and then motivates the rest of the story. <laughs> he's the 
Agent Coulson of uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Avengers, the Stark Avengers. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, yeah Tony Stark of House Stark. Yeah, I guess there you go. That's it. All right, nice. so we didn't touch everything. Did we leave anything out? Uh, I don't think we missed any majors. Yeah. I'm looking through All my right. notes. So who won season one? Uh, I think we've established it's not Ned. No. <laughs> it's, it's not Ned Rickon. Pike. Yeah, it's not It's Rickon. not Cal Drogo. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Bran. It's not Arya or Santa. Uh, it's not Caitlyn. Um, it's not Robert. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not Robert. <laughs> uh, we didn't even tell the other two side characters that we didn't even touch on, like Renly. It was the King of Flowers. Uh, and it was, and it was, and Stannis. Is Stannis even in season one, or is he just mentioned by name? Hello? Is it Lucy yeah. here, Brother Beavis? Okay. Uh, am I here? You're yeah, here. you're good. Okay, right, we're good. So yeah, we have, we have Renly, uh, who's the king's younger brother, who, mm-hmm. like, lo- he just loves the pageantry of the kingdom, but yeah. really isn't good for anything. And then Loras, the Knight of the Flowers. And so yeah. that's an actually an interesting twist, because they kind of allude to the fact that they might be homosexual, but obviously in the show they are. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, I know of some folks who, like, that was a problem for them to see that on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I think... Uh, you know, where we are when the book was written, where we are now, I think it's an appropriate addition to the show. It doesn't bother me. I think yeah, that not it is what it is. Um, yeah, and then who was the other person you mentioned? Renly, Laura. Stannis. No, is Stannis Stan- even yeah, Stannis in season one? In. Okay, they just mentioned by name. Yeah, yeah, because Ned's like, he's the he's the rightful heir, and, mm. you know, they sort of talk about, like, uh, he's kind of a dick, though. And, yeah, yeah you kind of get that feel, <laughs> but... Okay, so yeah, so uh, I mean, if if I had to shoot a guess on who wins season one, I'd probably have to say Khaleesi mm-hmm. because her her arc going from you know incestuous little sister all the way to you know King to Khaleesi, you know ruling the, the Dothraki or whatever. And also now the mother of dragons also has three dragons. I mean, yep. you know, you. I mean, she started from the bottom. Now she's here, really. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can't really. You know, I can't think of anybody that's as elevated as she is after season one. The so. only other candidate I would put forth would be, unfortunately, Joffrey, because mm-hmm. he does end up king of the realm, but right. he does take a lot of L's along the way to make himself <laughs> one of the most despicable people in the kingdom. So yeah. those were my two candidates. Uh, yeah. Joffrey was actually, yeah. yeah, Joffrey was actually my second as well. You know, so I told you we'd be doing this and we agreeing all the time. <laughs> so I but, yeah. insist it's Joffrey. Okay. Well, I insist it's <laughs> So there you go. All right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, those are two great candidates and anybody else. I, I mean, I really would be hard pressed to think about anybody else. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't think. I mean, yeah, there could probably be a case made for yeah. a couple of people, but not 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 beyond. Season them. one is that there's a lot of people that are just being introduced and they're in a holding pattern before they become more significant. Right. Um, those but are really, they really. But up. when they meet their significance, it also puts puts them in the freaking crosshairs. So, yep. 
yep. you know, uh, I, I always get the sense from watching it that the writers are like, yep, okay, this person's doing pretty good, and then they're already plotting their end, you know, whether yep. it's already in the book or if there's like, yeah, you know, either for shock value or, yeah, we just need to get rid of them. Then we don't want them to get too attached to it, and they'll just kill them all. So, but yeah, they they do a great job of introducing a whole bunch of characters. But again, looking ahead from it from here, it's like, yeah, yeah, he did good, but <laughs> he's probably done enough by now. Yeah, I think he's good. Let's just move him on. Don't you got a movie to go film someplace else? Because um, we're gonna free up some time for you. No, yeah, awesome. All right, so I think that, you know, pretty much spans us through season one. We're going to try and get through the rest of this before we only have till July 16th or whatever to try and catch up. Uh, yeah. I think the first four seasons are, are pretty good. We might mm-hmm. bundle season five or uh, or uh, maybe sneak it in somewhere else. Um, yeah, because season six we really wouldn't. We have a whole podcast series yep. on season six. Yep. If we don't get to that, you can at least go back and listen to those in real time. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely get that one. There's a whole podcast here. So, All right. So we're going to sail off uh, to season two here. Producer, you want to sign off? All right. This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at, at Brothers Comics, uh, B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. Any, yeah, any other uh, business you want to catch us up on before we say goodbye? Uh, yes, uh, be on the lookout for the Unmasked podcast, uh, the Mr. Robot podcast, uh, by the ladies that, um, under the Brothers Comics umbrella, uh, they'll be recording that here, actually, I think probably tonight, so it'll be out early next week, uh, be on the lookout for the, uh, podcast 66 for Brothers Comics, that should be recorded this weekend, and definitely be on the lookout for the Thursday Night Comic Book Chat, which will be recording here fairly soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little insight, y'all. I have a strong uh, feeling we're going to get that in this week. Yeah, I have a strong feeling that that's going to happen very soon. But yeah, that's all the bros' comments business. All right. So producer's out. Grandmaster Beavis is out. We'll catch you guys next time. All right. Peace. Peace.